When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. A rare day of breaking news as we hit the record button here on this daily Vikings entertainment we call Purple Daily. Mackie Judd. Our executive producer, Declan Goff, running around behind the scenes. The Vikings have cut Kellen Mond, and we will dive into it. And some other interesting things that are trickling out on this cut day here. The show is presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, always stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, and home appliances. TCL bring you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Learn more at TCL.com. Happy Cut Day, everybody. This is where NFL teams trim down to the initial 53, and then other things can happen through waivers and trades and whatnot. And then there is next Tuesday is the real 53-man roster deadline because that's the week one roster. So there's a you have to get down to 53 today, and then you got to have the 53 that you want for week one in a week from today. But the biggest news, and there's other stuff, and there's probably going to be news coming out as we record this, but uh, Kellen Mond was one of the first players informed this morning he will not make the Vikings 53-man roster. Hmm. You know what? Say it. No, I don't want to rub it in. I I don't want to rub it in because you know what? I was I was employed in part to go out to practice to observe things and and though and though there were darts thrown my way after those observations became quite public on one of the most popular Vikings related podcasts around one of I mean come on hold put on a some, put some res- respect on our name and though there were some darts thrown after the most popular Vikings podcast wildly popular pop ten charting. Marconi I'll rephrase again. The most popular Viking show because we actually bring the truth. We bring the truth. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, look, th- there was a moment after the first preseason game against the Raiders where I thought, you know what? He might stick on the 53 man, but he can't go into games. And then we saw, and then I saw more practices and we, we saw the next two exhibition games in which there were a few nice throws, but really some unplayable, unacceptable type moments. And so, you know, it's it, here's the thing I come back to. It is amazing, and we, we discussed this 
briefly before the show started. It is amazing. And this guy did some good too. Okay. So I'm not going to be, be like, well, he, he, he stunk, but Rick Spielman's inability to identify or have people around him too. Like, like, cause this is not just Rick. It's the people who he consulted with mm-hmm. to identify young quarterbacks. Um, to me is remarkable. <laughs> it really well, is. Ke- and Kellen Mond was kind of his last, pro- probably his last shot as a head of the front office. I don't, if the league feels the same way about Kellen Mann, it will find out. You know, maybe maybe someone looks at him and says, "Well, we love that guy on draft day. Let's right. let's swoop him up and put him up. Maybe he could be the third string quarterback on our fifty three man roster, or or maybe he goes to someone else's practice squad." But at the end of the day, I mean, this was kind of your you know you you've been the head of a front office for fifteen years, and you've got a couple. Bi- well, the Christian Ponder whiff is the biggest one. He was kind of part of the Tavares Jackson whiff, but he was so early, right? Or no, he wasn't even in the front office when they drafted. Yeah, that, TJ, that was so. Fran and Brad. Okay, so so, yeah, so technically that's not on his resume. Nope. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I still it's hard to call that one a, a total bust because we don't know what non-injury Bridgewater would have looked like. So Rick can always play the what if card there, but uh, the resume looks bad. And uh, yeah, I know that you are a stand-up guy, and and you would never sit here on a soapbox and demean people and call them cowards for, uh, you know, thinking that you were embellishing what you were seeing at camp. But I just happened to go through some of the messages that we received over the past month here, oh, and I just want to bring them back to the forefront here because I feel like when someone is as right against the current as Judd was about Kellen Mond, it deserves to be highlighted. You know, we're all you know. We're right, we're wrong in this. We're on microphones every day for hours and hours. And so, you know, you're not going to be right about everything. But when people send you messages like this, like Dominic via the Score North app said, Judd, please drink a Surly and chill on Mond for now. That was three weeks ago. You just made the list. Paul Engelson said, isn't it amazing what practice can do to improve your game? Unless you listen to Judd. See you with Judd Zolgad. Kellen Mond goes to practice to improve, but what we get from Judd is don't bother practicing. Mond won't improve. Thank God Kellen Mond and others don't listen to Mr. Negative Judd. I'm more interested in what others have to say. Well, yeah. Okay, what's that that guy's name again? Paul. Paul. Okay, Paul. Okay, Paul. So I'm going to speak directly to the Pauls of the world, okay? And I'm going to say this. I forgive you completely, and here's why. You have been misled for so long by false purple prophets that that you hear my criticisms, and you, of course you think, oh, that guy's just negative. That guy sucks. That guy sucks. I don't like that guy. Other guys tell me, and gals, other other people tell what I want, me. What I want to what hear I want is to hear. Kellen exactly looks right. incredible. How are they so going to Paul, decide between cousins and mind? Here's my guess. Paul, I'm going to take a complete guess here, Phil. Paul, approximately your age-ish, so like let's say he's 33 or so, grown up in an environment of purple positivity, being fed false false prophecies and lies. And so he hears this show, and he's like, no, no, this this isn't what I'm used to. And so, Paul, look, Purple Daily sets out here with, I believe, firmly, at least a couple of goals per day. One is, of course, before I die, before we die, we would like a Vikings championship. We have standards. We we the we other have a one high though, standard. Yes, and 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 if if Patrick hears this, Roycey, turn this down quickly because I'm going to say it. 
Purple Daily is changing a culture. We are changing a culture. We are the KOC of Vikings content. <laughs> we are. We have come in here, and well, we he's are a little more positive than we are. And we're going again. No, but I mean, he is changing a culture, right? So we're changing a culture, and so part of our thing is we talk upfront, honestly, and openly about the good, and there's good and bad. So I that's Paul. Game Jr. Hollywood Frog chimed in a couple weeks ago and said, Judd needs to stop bullying and publicly shaming Kellen Mond. He's basically a rookie and is learning a complicated offense. Judd's (laughs) camp notes made it sound like Mond would be incompetent, but he actually played well. What is more bullying? Is it Judd giving an honest assessment of what he sees at camp, an extension of of what's happening at camp to you, the fans, and being honest about it? Or is it bringing a guy into your office and firing him, essentially, which is what yeah. the Vikings did? Because if what you did is bullying, which is, hey, this is what I'm seeing. I don't know what's happening out here, but uh, this guy doesn't right. look like an NFL quarterback. Well, I would think it's even more of a public shaming and bullying tactic to bring that poor young that poor young man into the office and crush his dreams of playing professional football. Mm. Oh, Kevin oh, O'Connell terrible. and Quasi are the real bullies and public shamers here. Don't you love how how have we gotten to in, into you know what? And it's always been the storyline's been like this for a long time, but it feels like it's getting worse. Is you know today is a terrible day. Today is cut down. It's so dreams end. These guys are playing professional sports, okay? Like this isn't like you went to to your job where you support your folks or your wife and kids, right? And and you go to your job, which is tough, and they just fire your ass. Like that's a, that's a shame. That's that's sad. This is professional sports training camp. Like, why do we get into to this? Well, dreams die today. You know what? If you go to a training camp and you're not an elite like five percentile guy. You are asking for your dreams to be squashed, and yet we're like, oh, this is such a terrible day for these players. Joe Blow, who goes to work and gets canned, that sucks. I feel for that dude, okay? Like, that's a terrible day. But if I try and play pro sports and I'm cut, am I really like, oh, I didn't see this coming? I I just dropped four passes. I think it can still be a little devastating to, sure, to human beings. But- I know that you... This is where, like, you view sports as, like, they're all just chess pieces on a board for you to stare at. And I think Declan and I will say there is a little more of a human element here on a day like today. But what I'm saying is... But it is is not bullying to call a spade a spade when you're observing practice. That's that's the distinction I want to make. And I can see being upset or hurt that you get, get cut, but my point is I can't see, unless you got screwed entirely by your team, like this surprise of, I got called in today and fired. No, you were one of ninety guys on a roster that only keeps fifty three. It was yeah, it was football hunger games. Like there's only, only exactly. so many of us are gonna make exactly. it out of this training camp. And so uh I'm not yeah, saying I don't feel bad. Look to your left, look to your right. But like we are in in our now trophy age of, you know, everyone gets a trophy. We're like, this is just such a tough day for so many people. No, they're gonna go find jobs. They actually have a pretty good leg up to go find, and some of them might make practice squads and stuff, sure. and or or be elevated to go get coaching jobs or whatever it may be. So I, I have one more mind question here because it is, I mean, well, actually, there's a there's a whole lot to unpack just about the third and fourth round picks that are getting cut left and right this morning from the 2021 draft, uh, and we and we will get to that too. But how bad? So we know how bad he looked, just on the field at practice. It's all documented. You were there at practice. 
You know, yep. he had a pretty good couple of drives in that first preseason game, but he mostly looked unplayable against second and third string opposing defenses in the in the last two preseason games. Yep. So we we know how bad he looked on the field. How bad was he behind the scenes from what you can tell? Because I think, like, my theory on this is you don't cut bait on a guy, and they might bring him back to the practice squad so that he'll be around still. I'm not saying that they despise him or whatever, but for for you to go from third-round pick, like a high third-round pick, pretty highly touted, you start that many games in the SEC, to be off the roster before your second NFL season starts. There's got to be more than just oh he he's slow at processing reads right is he just is he not a vocal leader is he mm. is he I'm not saying he's a bad human or anything right. I'm just saying like he doesn't he must not bring a dynamic leadership presence that you could say you know what God let's just give this guy and let's let's keep him around let's give him a, a, a you know one more season on the 53 man roster and see what happens they didn't like him enough to even do that is what I'm saying I think I could go that far as you just did, if if he clears the waiver process and is not signed to the practice squad. Okay. Here's why. Here's where I think this gets a little bit dicey, and, and it's not a bad thing, but the reality is this. If the third-round 2021 class was being whacked by those who drafted them, it would be like, whoa, they whiffed, and these must not be great guys, or to your point, great behind-the-scenes potentially. But like, this is an entire, for the most part, new administration and coaching staff, right? And so so if these guys, if Mond clears the waiver process and is not re-signed to the practice squad, what you said to me be, becomes a, a lot more of, okay, there's more to unpack there. Yeah. Um, but I also think that, in fairness, he got a shot. Like, they, they probably said, you know what? This kid got completely screwed last year by Zim. He didn't get a chance. We're going to give him a chance. And I can tell you from the reps in practice, he got a chance. Like, like this was not a Mannion's getting all the snaps. It's not fair. He got a ton of work. Um, and I think that they saw, I think they saw what they had to, to see, but the reality is, and again, this to me becomes so important. You watch him and he can't play right now in a regular season game. Like no. you can't do that. There is no purpose for him. In my opinion, on a 53-man roster when you probably have doubts about whether his um, processing abilities will ever be capable of actually plugging him into a game and feeling comfortable. And the and the only question remaining here would be, I, we've done the research on this dating back to when they drafted him, that like over the last 20 years, something like 18 to 20% of third, fourth, fifth-round pick quarterbacks, like those middle rounds, turn out to be multi-year starters that so call it a one in five chance that he turns into a multi-year starter of some kind mm-hmm. that by by waving him you are now exposing him to other teams to say oh we actually see something here that is there you know, what is the percent chance that you would regret this if another team claimed him here in the next day or two and said oh well yeah wow can't believe that guy's available i think Based on everything that, based on everything Mike Zimmer observed about him, which a lot of people took with a grain of salt, oh, that's just a, def- a cantankerous defensive guy flailing on his way out, right? He's just lashing out at young players and Kellen Mond, and yeah, there definitely was a touch of that, I'm sure. Um, but at the end of the day, when Mike Zimmer has an observation about Kellen Mond, and then that observation is validated by the next coach and front office, who say, yeah, I mean, you know, we're not going to throw him under the bus publicly, like. Mike did at the podium, but 
yeah, we don't we don't think he's one of our fifty three. We don't. In fact, we think so little of him. We're going to go and trade for a backup quarterback on the eve of the regular season. Yep. I don't think they're going to regret it. But do you think there is a percent chance that wow, they did cut bait early on a guy that was you know a pretty high third round draft pick? If I thought they knew, um, they didn't know a lot about the position. Yes. So so like if if this was a defensive coach. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that might be that that might come back. But if we truly have the belief that Kevin O'Connell's expertise in life was the fact that he can judge quarterback play, no, I don't, I don't, and I I think that there is a look. This league, I mean, that position in this league is as tough as it gets. Like, it's not just a tweak here and there, and 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 now it's fine. Um, there's a there's so many things, and, and I think if O'Connell and his coaching staff looked at Mond and said, you know what, it's not there, I trust him on that. So no, I I don't think, um, if somebody thinks they can fix this and play him eventually, good luck. And there's going to be all sorts of, there's going to be more Kellen Mond's coming down the pipeline in next oh, year's draft, the God year God. after, you know. It was always kind of a, and we said this the night they drafted him that wow, this is really interesting. This is this is a pretty high pick for a quarterback. Cousins had like one year guarantee left on his deal. Boy, okay, about twenty percent of these third, fourth round quarterbacks pan out. Kirk Cousins is one of them to be multi year starters. So they, when they made the pick, they had a guy on the roster that if all things went well and you got the best version of what you thought Kellen Mond could be, then maybe they had a succession plan for Kirk Cousins on the roster. And today, I think, officially ends that idea that there is no longer a succession plan for Kirk Cousins on the Vikings roster. And he's under contract ironclad through 2023. So they do have time if they want 2023 to be his last year. They do have time to draft someone next year, swing a trade or whatever. But but as of right now, they do not have a succession plan on their roster for Kirk Cousins. And the fact that Mond is not that guy does not bother me one bit. Like, I didn't go into camp. I was curious what Mond could do, and he, he didn't do much. But I didn't when camp started, I didn't say, you know what, I think Mond is the guy. And, and so, yes, I think one of, if there was a list of the five most important things that, uh, that Quazy and KOC are going to do within the next three years or so, quarterback is atop that one. And look, it remains a remarkable fact that, that aside from occasionally guys popping up this franchise has not had a a franchise type qb since its inception when tarkington was taken in 61 and played to 78 that is remarkable think about that like that's the one thing if if these guys do nothing else if they do nothing else if they can solve that one and and like and dante was good but I'm talking about solve it for an extended period of time. You draft a guy, cultivate him, develop him, keep him, bam, before you you know it, we're 12 years in. You know, the, the fact that that has not been done again since Francis is absolutely off the charts. And that, to me, is what I want to see Quazy and Kevin O'Connell do. Yeah, and right now it's it's not a desperate timeline. They've got one of the 14 best quarterbacks in the world under yeah. contract in his prime and they've you know that and that's the reason why they they decided to keep him all right here here's the official tally Dex just texted us this too 
So uh, the Vikings' third round from 2021. Kellen Mond cut this morning. Chaz Surratt cut this morning. Wyatt Davis, according to the Pioneer Press, was also just cut. So Christian Derrissaw was their first pick in 2021. Their next three picks after that, all gone less than 18 months later. Patrick Jones, I think, is going to make the team. He is the fourth third-round pick they had from that season. Kene Wangwu is almost certainly going to make the team. Cam Bynum, contributor. but then And so those are uh, that's a third and two fourth-round picks. But Janarius Robinson was also cut this morning. He was a fourth-round pick. So of the four-thirds and three-fourths, four of those seven players are gone within 18 months of being drafted. Draft devastation. This is devastating. Like th- those are like rounds that it. you find starting caliber. You have to find players in those rounds no, to fill yes. out your starters, and they're just no, yes. gone before the second season. Well, and, and the questions are, oh my god, I, I would I would love to read um a, a a really deep dive into this draft now for Rick and like what transpired. Now I I have heard in retrospect I heard the people in the building were very cool on Davis and Rick's like, Nope, I'm taking him. Um, but I mean, you know, 18 months ago on this show, when Wyatt Davis was selected, we said, you know what? Very good chance. You're starting right guard in 2021 right there. You're starting right guard, mm-hmm. not a depth guy, not a, Oh, it's a nice pick. We, we said, we said about him, what I think is going to become true of Ingram on opening day against Packers, which yeah. is he will start at right guard. Think about this. you guys in training camp? From day one of training camp, too. So this was not a, oh, my gosh, he looks bad, and now he's been demoted. From day one of training camp, he got barely any reps on the third team. They had decided when training camp opened, they had decided he's not worthy of being on our our roster. And honestly, at this point, I don't think he's brought back to practice squad. Dude, it's nuts. You're talking about Wyatt Davis, right? Wyatt Davis. So so they also made – I mean, think about this. Like, this is a a third-round pick. Ohio State NFL body, right? Drafted a year and change ago. Yep. And they're going to decide here. We haven't seen the final 53 yet, obviously yet, but like they're going to they're going to wind up with at least two journeyman veteran guards. And depending on what you think about Austin Schlotman, maybe a third instead of Wyatt Davis. That they decided, you know, Jesse Davis and Chris Reed, these guys who are just kind of, you know, borderline starters. They're just kind of depth veteran guys. We'd rather keep those guys behind Ed Ingram, and and they drafted Ed Ingram to begin with. Like if they if they thought anything of Wyatt Davis, they wouldn't burn that kind of draft capital on us. So I mean, just the the level of bust here. I don't think Wyatt Davis played a snap above the third team the entire training camp. No, you didn't. You didn't report on it unless, unless he snuck in there for an injury. Nope. But like he literally didn't get a snap with the twos in training camp this year. Yep. Just epic. Now, Chris, Now, in fairness to Rick here, all right, because, you know, kind of weigh both sides sometimes. Christian Derrissaw, I think, is tracking to be a franchise left tackle, so that's mm-hmm. a very important pick. Uh, Patrick Jones looks like he's going to be in the mix as a depth defensive lineman slash uh, edge rusher in this system. And Kane Wangwu, Cam Bynum, Amir Smith-Marset, so... There are some uh, Jalen Twyman was the the last player they drafted. He got cut yesterday. I think he was informed yesterday, so he gone too. 
So there, but there are some hits in this draft. But but to, if if you would have said, hey, all right, we're going to the 2021 draft, uh, Vikings are going to take four players in the third round, and three are going to be cut in the next year and a half before their second season, you would have said, epic, epic failure of a draft. Hmm. And just to put this in context, if you take out the first round bus, okay, I think until this until this draft of Ricks. I think the biggest bust um, of an of a potential what you could consider early round pick, and it wasn't that early, was Willie Beavers, the offensive lineman, who I think was a fourth round pick and didn't mm-hmm. make it out of training camp. And I, I did the research on the time at that one, and he was the highest draft pick to be released from that draft at the time. So like that's a that's a major whiff, but Dude, but by okay. comparison, by comparison, this is one of the most awful. Like when you have, and by the way, you also, you know, said we love to accumulate picks. That's our currency, right? So you accumulated four third round picks. That's pretty damn good. Like that gives you that you should hit on at least, at least a couple of those as just flat out starters. Mm-hmm. And 75% of them are now gone. And a fourth round pick is gone. Like just try, I, I don't think that it's fair to, to say, well, yeah, but. Cam Bynum was picked in that. Okay, that's great. That he, That's fantastic. But for a guy who prided himself on accumulating draft picks as if they were going out of style, when you have to release, when a new regime comes in and jettisons the number of guys, it is such an indictment of Rick Spielman. Dude, the, uh, you bring up that 2016 draft. The, the, the 2015 draft was was great for the Vikings. Eric Kendricks, Neil Hunter, Stefan Diggs. I mean, like ring of honor guys in that, in that draft class. 2016-17 is where, and they drafted eight, 18, 19 players, 19, so between 18 and 20 players between 2017 and 2016. Oh boy. So Dalvin Cook was a second round pick in 2017. Yep, no first. Here's everyone else they drafted. So this and this is like these are 2016-17. These are players that would be like in their primes now as starters helping your roster and so if you're wondering why the Vikings have not been above 500 in about 900 days, roster erosion in and around different places. So Dalvin Cook, that's a hit for sure. Pat Alfline, Jaleel Johnson, Ben Gedeon, Rodney Adams, Danny Isadora, Bucky Hodges, Stacy Coley, uh, Adenabo, Elijah Lee, Jack Tacho, Laquan Treadwell, Mackenzie Alexander, Willie Beavers, Kentrell Brothers, Moritz Boehringer, David Morgan, Stephen Weatherly, and Jaron Curse. I mean, that is a gaping draft hole for this franchise going back to the years leading up to the Kirk Cousins acquisition where, okay, well, we got this quarterback taking up a huge chunk of money. We need young guys under team control. Yep. To step up and fill the void, and they couldn't. Amazing, and uh, the, hopefully the 2021 draft doesn't have the same type of effect. But if you did hit on at least Cam Bynum, Christian Derrissaw, Smith Marset, Patrick Johnson, you should you should be okay. But whew, Rick yeah, Spielman, <laughs> it it speaks a lot too. And and I think this is what when when Mike said before um, 2021 started, when Mike said, you know what, I don't really trust our depth. This this was it, right? Like this staff, this new staff has kept a lot of players and a lot of, of, of vets 
who are probably still incredibly productive for the most part. But when you look at who they are cutting, they're basically um, starting anew with the lifeblood of the team, which is special teams guys, potential starters. So like this is, it, it can't just be, well, yeah, I took Justin Jefferson. Look at me. It's got, it's got to be like, that's great. But then yep. did you get more? And the reality with Rick is, and I mean, that you, at the end of the day, if Zimmer truly was going to get blown out, which he clearly was, and he went to the Wilfs and said, hold on a second here. You're keeping Rick Spielman. And they're like, of course, we love Rick. He tells us Bill Parcell stories. We love him. And they and Mike could have just said, oh, I'm going to pull out a guide here. Let's go through the drafts. Because if you own a football team and you know how a football team is supposed to be built and you go through these drafts, at some point in time, you've got to say, oh, dude, you can get 18 picks. That's great. But are they 14 good picks? You know, some guys are obviously going to bust. But I think that's the thing with Rick is you start to look because he always was. It, it was like this, this, uh, um, I got all these picks. I mean, look at all these picks. But then, Phil, you, you just ran through a litany of picks yeah. of guys who did nothing. It's really easy to play this game in retrospect, but. You know, the Vikings had some good teams in these years where maybe they were maybe they were trade a first round pick for a veteran player away from another step. And they did this a couple times where they, they traded for the the edge rusher that didn't work out uh Ngakwe, right? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't they didn't trade a first round pick there. But you know, in retrospect, that first the first and second round picks in two thousand sixteen you used on Laquan Treadwell and Mackenzie Alexander. Well, you could play this game throughout any franchise's history, but at any point in here, right? First round pick on Garrett Bradbury, first round pick on Mike Hughes, second round, third round pick on Pat Alfline, second round pick on Irv Smith Jr., who hasn't done anything to this point. Like these are years in which you are in the playoffs or knocking on the door of the playoffs. Yes. Would it have made more sense to leverage draft capital to trade for established players? And I get that hindsight's twenty twenty, but. Um, Interesting stuff. Let's uh, let's shout out a couple of our friends here. You guys, sometimes people ask, you know, how can, what are the best ways to support what you're doing at Purple Daily and Score North? Well, listening and or watching on a regular basis is the best thing. But the, the next best thing you can do is support our partners and our sponsors on this show. Um, and one of them is Surly. So if you can keep drinking Surly and sending us pictures of Surly, those before I die cans that are inside U.S. Bank Stadium, it's right. very helpful to us. I got one right here. Exactly right. And And guess what? All right, fall is coming. It's a fact. And you're saying, but that means winter, Judd, stop, stop, stop. But I'm going to tell you right now, fall is coming, and that means the Surly Brewing lineup of fall beers is almost here as well. And, you know, as much as I enjoy um, sipping a a good um, Logic Bomb, boys, on the deck and it's nice outside, I do love myself a good fall beer. I love to be sipping a beer, football time, I'm watching a game. Uh, but there are so many great choices. But as, as the as the summer of Surly gives way to the fall of Furious, believe me, the choices are out there. They're fantastic. And as Phil just said, support our friends at Surly because they support us and keep the lights on at Purple Daily. You can also support our friends at Prize Picks. A really easy way to play daily fantasy is via Prize Picks. And uh, here's how it works. You pick between two and five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. 
And Prize Picks offers every major sport: NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL. You know, PGA season just wrapped up, but they offer everything: soccer, MMA. And so you can run mixed sport entries. You could go, all right, let's do a little football over here. We'll take the over on Justin Jefferson, and then maybe we'll take, uh, I don't know, the under on uh, whatever co- whatever college game you, you're firing up as, as that season begins here as well. Promo code NORTH and PrizePix will match your first deposit up to $100. PrizePix.com and the PrizePix app. Uh, and then one more real quick here, a shout-out to Aquaside for keeping our lakeside areas clean and uh, less grimy this time of year. Yeah, it's a uh, Labor Day weekend. Maybe you're getting that dock out of the water. You're uh, getting ready for fall, and you know you step in as you're getting that dock out, and you realize, oh god, what the heck is uh, stepping in there? That's not oh. a surly can. Oh no, it's an it's 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 lake weed. It's algae. Oh, it's the worst thing possible. Oh god, no! What am I gonna do? I'm gonna call Aquaside. Get your Aquaside pellets. It's do-it-yourself products. It's a safe product too. Register with the EPA. And the DNR, uh, they're located here in the Twin Cities in White Bear Lake, but you can order their product on their website too. It's Aquaside.com. Go to Aquaside.com to learn more. All right, let's jump into another discussion here, boys. The, the, the thing that we were initially going to lead the show with today was now that we've made it through the first full off season of the Kevin O'Connell era and the Quasi Dofamenta era. What are some of the most important things we've learned observing this organization? It doesn't just have to be about KOC specifically, but just let's start with Declan here, too. And we'll just go around the room a couple times. Things we learned in Kevin O'Connell's first offseason as Vikings head coach. I think from the Kevin O'Connell side, it's, it's him being diplomatic and kind of spreading out things to a bunch of different people, which I like. Like, it's collaboration, but it's still him being the head coach. Like, he's not going to ignore defense but when he hired Ed Donatel he hired him because he was a veteran defensive coordinator who's going to change up this scheme it wasn't working for the Vikings the last few years the personnel has mostly remained the same so how can I fix that without being completely hands-on will you hire someone like Ed Donatel who has been around the block and has coached numerous defense I think that's a really smart move bringing in someone like Wes Phillips too um, from, from his from his time in LA and just getting people involved in the coaching staff that he might not have all the resources and time for but still spreads it out to someone who knows what the heck they're doing, and he's not ignoring it. I think what what's so curious to play out as the season goes is when something isn't going right, when they face the adversity, how does he handle it? You know, he talked about when when the Rams went like 35 days last season, by the way, without winning a football game, and they still went on to win a Super Bowl. Well, it's easy to be the offensive coordinator in that spot. Now he's the head coach. So how how does that play out? But just in terms of the training camp and the practices and the coordinators he's brought in, I think that's really interesting way to go about it, being a diplomatic, but still kind of probably still observing it still from the 30,000 foot view. Yeah. And I think like to what you just said, it, I was wondering the same thing too, that, okay, you're going from kind of good cop offensive coordinator guy and you can, you know, you're kind of riding the coattails of Sean McVay a little bit. What is, what, it, what does a Kevin O'Connell coached team look like? What, what does it look like when he has to get on players when things, and you know, we, we won't really find out until they lose three games in a row or something, but I can sort of see his head coach personality coming through, and it makes sense to me. You know, Judd talks a lot about the first year of Brad Childress, where I don't even know that he knew who he was as a person or a coach. He was he was trying to be someone else, and then his personality was wildly different in 2007, and it just never felt like he was fully comfortable in his own skin in front of a room full of people. His communication was always a little bit awkward with players and even with media and stuff. Um, Kevin O'Connell seems like just a great communicator. He It feels to me like he's very, very comfortable and secure in who he is. 
And and I, I guess I, I can just sort of see, okay, yeah, all right. This is this is way different than Mike Zimmer, but he's not trying to be someone that he's he's not trying to be Sean McVay. I I see who Kevin O'Connell is as a person and a coach. It makes sense to me. So I'll I'll jump in on that and say this about a thing I've observed, and this is something that every first year coach has. Kevin O'Connell needs to learn what to sweat and most importantly what not to sweat. Um, right now, he sweats way too much. He can't c- control, and that does him no good. Phil, you, you've uh, for years t- talked about mental bandwidth, right? Like the mental bandwidth, and like you've only got so much. You can't do everything, mm-hmm. and and he's sweating things like you know, please don't film the opponent, and we can't have this out there. And to a certain degree, I get that. Every coach, I'm not saying he is unique in this sense. Um, but right now he's concerning himself with some things that you simply have to just drop. Like, like fans are, fans are going to film you if the practices are open. And so if you don't want to unveil plays, which I think that the Vikings didn't to a certain point, that's absolutely fine. Like that, that's the smart move. Uh, but being concerned about who's shooting what, and if the Packers are seeing it. And again, a lot of coaches sweat this, but I'm telling you, one of the things that I've seen be the downfall of coaches is when they become such control freaks that they don't know, they can't compartmentalize what to what to be concerned about and what not to be. Um, you're responsible for 53 players, a practice squad, a ton of stuff. People are coming to you constantly with, with questions that if you're a position coach or, or an OC or a DC, you never get. Um, and so I think the dude's a smart dude. I hope. He sorts this out, but he clearly needs to get a grip on what's important and what's important to you, but you can't change it. Yeah. So, so you don't have to ignore it completely, but if you, but if, but if you take away from the what's important bin and sweat the things you can't control bin, that's how it starts to get away from you. And so that's going to be a very interesting thing to watch play out. I'm curious to see him next year at this time to see if he has sort of decided, you know what? I worried about this a lot in 2022. It did me no good. I couldn't change it. Yeah. I've also heard him numerous times in interviews and he's, he's done this on at least three or four podcasts. I think including the one that he came on with us too, where he'll, he'll thank media or fans for supporting the Vikings. And that's another Interesting little nuance and some dissonance and that a lot of the newer coaches that come in here, not just in the NFL, but across all sports, in their mind, they think, well, like P.J. Fleck did this, too, when he took the job with the Gophers. He's like, we're all we're all here. Like, I, I am the straw that stirs the drink, but we need all of your support, fans, media, everything else. It's like, well, yes, I think fans more than media, you're going to kind of you're going to buy in until there's a sign that you shouldn't anymore. But when it comes to media and coverage, I think sometimes we can fall into that trap. Twin Cities media and other markets, too, of at what point do you do you support versus tell the truth about what you're observing? You know, like that. So that's that's something I think it's an unrealistic expectation for the head coach of a National Football League team to think that, like, oh, the media's job is to support me. no. You earn support through good play on the field and good moves and personnel. If something happens that's that's not good, or you lose games, or, or there's something incompetent taking place, right? 
then it is the media's job to point that out and shine a light on it. Yep. And so I, I do wonder going forward if he's gonna if he's gonna get pissed if things start going poorly or whatever. You know, you lose a couple of games if he's gonna get pissed that hey, we're, we're, I thought we were all in this together. It's like, well, no, like yeah, we're definitely all in it together, and that we're all following and watching Vikings football. But it's it is your job to produce a winner on the field, yep. and then you will get the coverage and the support that you want after the fact. And he is, I, I can say this for certain, he is one thousand percent not as laid back as he comes off. Which again, it's fine. He's a football coach. They're paranoid. Yes. Um, so, so like, I'm, I'm not. It's not like I think he's a terrible guy. But you'll, yes, he gets, he gets more, um, more ch- uh, chafed by stuff, Love and it. I think bothered by things. But, but again, the importance, the importance here is not to be a good guy. That's fine. But I don't care about it that much. But it's to separate what you can control. I mean, this, this guy, this dude is going to be calling offensive plays. Okay. So you can't be like trying to process everything. Like like at some point in life, you just have to know, okay, you know what? I can't do X, Y, Z because A, B, and C are more important. And and to me, starting point-wise, Phil, that is an incredibly, incredibly important assessment to make to tell is a guy head coach material or assistant coach material. One one thing you just said, and, and I'll, I'll give you, you know, one of the big things I've learned here in the first offseason too, but... I love the fact that he has this really nice level to his personality that I do think is genuine. I, th- I think when he comes in and he talks to people, I don't think he's fake. I think I think he's very nice. Just his his natural state is is a very nice, pleasant, good communicator. But I love that he's got a little edge. And you you're right; you can kind of see it. It's come out a couple times in press conferences. It's yeah. you can see it on the sideline a little bit, just watching from afar. Yep. But you need that. I, I love it when someone can kind of go back and forth between like, hey, I'm, I can be a good communicator and I can be a good human being, but I also, I want to effing stick it to opponents. <laughs> and I am yourself. competitive as bleep. Yep. And I have that side to my personality too. And I think he has both. Um, <laughs> a big thing that I have learned, and I suspected this before Kevin O'Connell got hired and Quasi, but it's, it's playing out in front of our eyes. There is a checklist of things that Mike Zimmer was right about, and I'm wondering how far down that checklist goes. Hmm. If, if we were to if we were to go back to the end again, I am I am not saying this because I think Mike Zimmer deserved to keep his job. It was time for a change, but the amount of time spent trashing Mike Zimmer, who did a lot of great things as Vikings head coach, the way that it was painted in such a way that, boy, if Mike Zimmer can just be extracted from the organization, all these things are going to blossom and become perfect. And Kellen Mond was the figurehead for that, right? Yep. Boy, Mike Zimmer just dumped on this guy and treated him like crap. And, and Mike Zimmer was telling you, hey, this guy's not good, and I've seen enough of him in practice. Now, is some of it, hey, Mike, you got to do a better job yourself cultivating the most important position on your roster. And he was bad at that. Barely met with his starting quarterback. So some of it's on Mike Zimmer. But Mike Zimmer was right about Kellen Mond. Because the new coaching staff and regime came in, offensive-minded, quarterback-friendly system, everything, and said, ooh, not only is he not good enough to be the number two quarterback, we have to trade for one of those. He's not good enough to be on the 53-man roster. We've seen enough. So Mike Zimmer was right about Mond. Mike Zimmer was right about Wyatt Davis, not putting him anywhere near the starting right guard job last year. He was right about a couple of the other draft picks. What's stopping Mike Zimmer from being right about 
other things like Kirk Cousins. You know, can we really sit here and say, okay, in retrospect, he was right about these two things, but I mean, there's no way he's right about this other thing. I'm just saying. No, I I love this because I agree completely with your point. And so here's where I think Mike fell short, okay? Now, now you are right when when you say that, that I see players mostly as like chips and pieces that that you're, you're trying to win with. Like, yes, they they have to be treated like people, but it's not a normal job. Like, like you're not just employed by the Vikings. I'm going to work with the Vikings, honey. I'll see you after work. You know, the bell the, or the the whistle does not blow at five o'clock. <laughs> but 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 that being said, where I'm with where I agree, I agree with your point. But here's what Mike didn't have the art of, and you have to hope O'Connell does, and he has a much better chance of possessing this art. And this is going to sound bad, but I mean it sincerely. You have to know when it comes to people who you need to work for you to do their job, no matter the job, how to get the most from them. I term it manipulate them. So saying Kellen Mond... Empower might be another word, but that's fine. Manipulate. But they're chips, man. They're puppets. They're puppets, okay? so getting Manipulate up to... sounds so cryptic and devious, though. It does, but empower Kellen Mond... Empower is more genuine Yeah, but I don't want to empower... I don't want to empower Mond. I want to manipulate him to get anything I possibly can because it's the end of the rope there. But anyway, the point with Mond is where I disagreed with Mike on, on Mond wasn't his assessment. It was... There was... And I know he was pissed off, and it was the end of his tenure, and he knew it. But there was no reason to go up to that podium in Green Bay and say that. Like, like what's the... He was just mad. And, he's, and look, he's, he is just letting his emotions control what he's saying at that exactly. point. He's not doing anything strategically. And it's a great quote. It's a great quote. But there's no reason to say it. Mond is that, look, Mond was... We, we all saw this. He's damn near unplayable, okay? So it's not like he's... It's not like he's criticizing a player to light a fire, which I totally get. But like if you say, you know, I've seen Cousins practice, that's trying to piss Kirk off because then he's going to be like, I'll show you, and he's got a chance to show me. Mm-hmm. Kellen Mond had no chance. And so it wasn't that Mike was wrong. It was his approach. On Cousins, you've got the million-dollar point there, baby. You might be right. I, I think you might be right. Um and the only hope left here, and I continue to say it, and again, it sounds condescending, but I don't care, is Kevin O'Connell thinks he can put his brain in Kirk's head. Mm-hmm. But but am I saying, you know, Phil, no, what you just said about Zimmer, are, are totally wrong? No, you might be entirely right. And Mike was right about a lot, and I think at times in expressing his disdain for, for things, he actually shed some in- interesting light. I just thought with Mond, it was the end of that line there. And to say that, it's just like, dude, this guy's going to be doing something else in three years, probably. You just don't need to say that about no, him. No, that's fair. Uh, you know what else Mike Zimmer was right about? That Valley Park Medical Clinic can and does help men with ED situations that might be a little bit embarrassing, okay? Yeah, Mike was telling me all along last year, he's like, hey, you got to check this out. It's Valley Park Medical Clinic. The only clinic in Minnesota to use the True Pulse Protocol, one of the most effective solutions for ED available. The treatments are surgery free, drug free, and non invasive, and they'll work with you in a discreet manner. So you don't have to, you know, broadcast anything if you don't want to. Well, it can be a very professional, confidential environment. Valley Park Medical Clinic.com. That's Valley Park Medical Clinic.com. 
hello to our friends, too, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been around for over 100 years, helping businesses maximize their level of success through risk management tools and resources. Sometimes success on offense is just not taking the negative play, not taking the eight-yard loss on a sack because, you know, you were able to to thwart off some sort of threat on the horizon. Well, that is sort of what Federated specializes in for your business. You can find out more information at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. All right, dudes, cut day. I uh, didn't, didn't know that all of that was going to happen this early in the day, but thankfully the football gods gave us a ton of content to, to put forth to our audience here today. And now the question is, does Sean Mannion make the 53? Tomorrow on Purple Daily. Ah. Discuss. Uh, yeah, tomorrow, uh, a write that down Wednesday where we make our weekly predictions and hold each other accountable. And don't forget, in a week and a half, the first regular season edition of Vikings Ventline, the most fan-friendly and interactive Vikings postgame show in the world, only on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and then available on demand after the fact on the Purple Daily podcast uh, feeds wherever you find Purple Daily. So that's a wrap on today's Cut Day episode of Purple Daily. See you guys tomorrow.